All right, so listen, we're going to, for those people who have to have a pattern and follow the same routine every day, I'm sorry I'm throwing this monkey wrench into your plans, but we're changing things up a little bit today. So we're going to have the music at the end. All right, so we're going to sing the songs at the end, and uh, hopefully you guys don't run out of here. And I, just in case I forget to say it, when we get to the end, please feel free to come up and to come to the altar or to go pray with somebody if you feel like God's directing you in that direction or just, you know, just to pray with your family or whatever you need to do. So, but we're not, we're going to start with, uh, you know, the sermon. So let me start with announcements first. We have some announcements that are very important too. Vacation Bible School Volunteers meeting today, immediately following second service in room five. Yay. <laughs> no, Carrie's not part of that. Uh, 2019 VBS will be held July 15th through July 19th, 9 a.m. till noon. If you plan on volunteering, please make every effort to attend today's meeting. Middle school youth group for students in grades 5 through 8, next Sunday, April 7th, 6 to 7.30 p.m., upstairs at the rest stop. So that's next Sunday, April 7th, 6 to 7.30 p.m., upstairs at the rest stop. Save the date. Save the date. Awana luncheon. Yep, they've changed things up this year. We're going to have a luncheon. We're still going to have a cake raffle, and we're now going to have a meteor exchange. Uh, Sunday, April 28th, immediately following second service in the fellowship hall. Tickets are $5 per person, $20 for family. See Carrie or Andrea to purchase. Sign up in the foyer if you plan on on attending. That way they can get some numbers, know how many tables are set up, what's going on. Sign up in the foyer if you plan on donating a cake or two or three for the raffle. Drop-off media exchange items in the cardboard box in the foyer. They will check them to make sure they're appropriate and uh, do some swapping stuff. And that's it. Carrie, did I cover everything there? No, don't say it yet. It's going to get me in trouble. I can see it coming right now. We didn't talk about this, but... So, anyways, all right, moving on. We'll talk about that later. 2020 trip to see Sight and Sound, Queen Esther. Two days, one night, June 26th through 27th. 279 per person. Children under 12 are less. Please sign up in the foyer today if you are interested. Listen, sign up if you're going. You're in, I mean, Dan, are you only looking for interest? We're still on the interest scale here? Okay. So sign up. Stop waiting. Sign up if you're interested in going. 2019 Berea's Women Retreat. Who's been there before to Berea? Is it worth going? Dan Genlo, the Women's Retreat. You didn't go to that. You've been to Berea, though. Okay. All right. So a group of women from New Hope Chapel will be going together September 13th. Through the 15th at Camp Berea in Hebron, New Hampshire, cost is $185 a person, includes entire weekend for food, lodging, and events. All women who are planning on attending need to register and pay online at berea.org. Sign-up sheet and detailed info is located in the foyer. Contact Stacy Carrillo for more information. Cut-off date is June 30th. Yes, Stacey. Yeah. Um, if you make the, the June 30th cutoff, they take $10 off. Well, amen. So save 10 bucks. Do it 
prior to June 30th. Yeah, Basically, don't wait to the last second. If you know you're going, just go sign up, register, get a gun. Uh, memorial service, if you haven't, Tony up there? Okay. Uh, many of you probably remember Tony's came. He used to have oxygen. He had trouble breathing, and uh, he has passed away. And uh, they're going to be doing a service here Wednesday, April 3rd, 10.30 a.m. in the sanctuary. Coffee and pastries to follow the service. The ceremony will be at 1 p.m. at the Veterans Cemetery Chapel. Also, Fred Stanley, uh, Hannah's grandfather. So we want to convey our condolences to to the Stanleys and Rolleville family. Uh, Calling hours for Fred Stanley will be today, 1230 to 130 p.m. in the auditorium at Charahol Middle School. And the funeral will take place promptly at 2 p.m. All right, Wendy. Oh my God, she's making an announcement. That's what I think about. <laughs> um, it's spring, so people are cleaning. And so that's why I'm going to get up here now and let you know that on February 3rd, May 3rd. May 3rd. No, I'm sorry, May 3rd. Yeah. Um, on May 3rd, we're having a yard sale at the Senior Center in South Kingstown from 9 o'clock till 12 o'clock. So if you have things that you think are worth, um, you know, other people buying, then we ask that you not bring them to the church for this yard sale, that you actually come and deliver them to South Kingstown Senior Center, which is off of Boardwalk Road down by YMCA. And I'm hoping that I might have a few volunteers that might be willing to go and pick up some other people's things that can't make it that day. So we have three spaces, like parking spaces, and three tables to fill up. So we're going to try to fill those up to make money for our OTC. Thank you. Oh, questions. We have questions. It's a Friday. It's a Friday? I'm looking at my calendar. It's Saturday the 4th. There's a poster out in the lobby that says the right day. It's a Saturday from 9 to 6. Yeah, really? Yeah, amen. I don't throw it away anyways. <laughs> Moving on. I'm going to ask the, <laughs> the ushers to come up to receive the offering, please. Oh. All right, one second. Muffy's got one quick announcement.
All right. I'm going to ask the ushers to come up to receive the offering. And then we're going to release the kids for Super Church. And I'm going to ask Wendy to bring them back in like 25 minutes or so. So they're going to do Super Church early. Same length of time. All right. So, Colin, would you mind? Amen. Praise God. So. Hey. You're welcome. All right, so. Today I want to I wanna start with talking about a word that we're familiar with, that we hear all the time. I don't know what my eyes are reaching. What does that mean? All right, so. Oh, Super Church. Hey, I almost forgot, but I got it. Also, hey, I want to thank, um, uh, we had a great community dinner last night, and the sandwiches were awesome, and I want to thank Jimmy and Elodia and everyone else that helped out in the kitchen for everything they did, and for Regina, Regina shared her testimony, which, pretty good at sharing that testimony, Regina, so amen for that, and uh, so it was just a wonderful time of fellowship, uh, hearing about Jesus Christ and uh, eating lots, so that was good, but thanks, Jimmy and Elodia and everybody else who did that, so wonderful thing. So anyway, so I want to talk about a word today, that, and not, not just talk about this word, I'm bringing it up right now though, and that's, and I'm bringing it up with the question of, what do you think about when I say the word supernatural? What comes to mind? The TV stuff. Yeah. What? <laughs> All right, you don't have to answer me. <laughs> but I understand why you said that. All right, so and we're going to talk about that in a second. So, you know, supernatural is a word that we see all the time now, but it, and by definition, it's a manifestation or event attributed to some force beyond scientific understanding or laws of nature. And sometimes it's good to be reminded that as Christians that we have a supernatural God who works in supernatural power. And having said that, there's a term that's used in the Bible quite a bit that we're going to talk about a little bit today, and that term is miracle. And I have four points that I'm going to share with you today about miracles, and also with a few reminders about biblical warnings concerning supernatural forces that aren't of God. I think it's important to clarify and to begin with what miracles are and what they're not. Especially in light of today, you know, all the TV shows, Supernatural, all the TV shows that glorify witchcraft and magic and mediums and divination and Ouija boards and tarot cards. And, you know, I want to be clear about another thing first before we go on is I'm not talking about illusionists. I'm not talking about doing card tricks. I'm not talking about those guys who are faster than our eye and we're trying to figure out how they did the trick. No, because they're often referred to as magicians, but they're not. They're they're just tricking us. Uh, I'm talking about the real deal that the Bible warns us about. And in Deuteronomy 18.9, it says, When you enter the land of the Lord your God is giving you, be careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering. 
Do not let your people practice fortune telling, sorcery, interpret omens, engage in witchcraft, cast spells, function as mediums, psychics, or call forth dead spirits. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. It is because the other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. Now it's interesting here because God is telling us don't do this. Why? Because they're doable. Listen, not everything that comes with these things is a joke. Not everything is playing a game. Not everything is role playing. Some of this is real. And it's dangerous. And as parents, we have to be very careful that we're setting the right tone for our kids, that we're having the righteous conversations when these things come up. Because God's warning us against it. He's warning it against these practices that also come from forces that are beyond scientific understanding, from forces that defy the laws of nature, But these are supernatural forces that we don't want any part of because they're demonic in nature. Magic and miracles are not the same. And the defining difference between the two is this one thing, the source. Magic and the other things that are warned against are from the pit of hell. And to play around with them can open doors that you don't want opened can invite things into your life that you don't want to invite. And I'm not trying to scare you, but I maybe make you more aware that God warns us against these things for a reason. First of all, he's God. If he says don't do it, don't do it. But secondly, he's doing it because he loves us and it's for our benefit not to do it. Because it's a trap of the enemy. And it will cause us harm for us, our households, those people around us. My first point is this. For something to be a true miracle, it's a supernatural act of God. It's a supernatural work of God. That's the definition of miracle. It comes from him by his power. It will always glorify him. It will always reveal and draw attention to the truth. It will always line up with his word. The source of miracles is God. They are by his power. Now listen, when you get into end times, and we're not going there today though, but there's going to be false signs and wonders that are going to try to lead people astray. When God does a miracle, it's always going to point to the truth. As Christians, we often say, you know, do you walk in the power of God? I want to walk in the power of God. You should walk in the power of God. But keep in mind that walking in the power of God comes with believing that supernatural answers to prayer still happen. Now, it's interesting because if I said to you, believing that answers to prayer still happen, everybody would go like this. But because I say supernatural answers to prayer still happen, some people go, wait a minute. It comes with believing that God can still reach down from the heavens and do something in your life by his power. 
We know God has used miracles. Believe that God still uses miracles. God performed miracles for varied reasons, but always to his glory. And we should, before we go any further, we should remember this, that despite the miracles or not, despite seeing God's hand move in your life or not, he still deserves our worship. And that if he decides to do a miracle, it's by his grace alone. For our encouragement, for our deliverance, for our confirmation of his involvement, for confirmation of someone he sent. As far as Christ was concerned, we know that he performed miracles and they were affirmations that he was God. And we also know the apostles performed miracles and they were affirming that they were sent by God. And many times the miracles that were wrought then were shouts to pay attention. They were wake-up calls to give credence that this was by God's hand and what was about to be said was the truth, God's truth. In Acts 2.22 it says, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. It was through godly power that he performed what? Miracles, wonders, and signs. Miracles being the display of God's power by Christ. The wonders being the remarkable events which took place. And the signs being the proof that he was, it was from God. That he was from God, excuse me. It was a manifestation of miraculous power. And he did this before people, but it met with mixed reactions. Which is going to lead me a point, to a point, so bear with me. For some, the miracles did absolutely nothing. And John 12, 37, it said, even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. Did absolutely nothing for him. For others, it was an affirmation that he was God, that he was the Messiah, but they expected the Messiah to do miracles. And you know what? They had this belief that he was the Messiah, but they didn't believe unto salvation. It was more like this head knowledge going on that never made it to here. And in John 2.23, it says this, Now while he was in Jerusalem at at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. And this is a great verse when it comes to context. Because if you just took that away, you would think that they became believers because of the miracles until you get into the next two verses. Because the next verse says this, But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. See, Jesus would entrust himself to them because it never made it past here. And we're still seeing this today. We're seeing this with people who acknowledge Jesus Christ up here, but it's never moved to their heart. We're seeing that with people who are really not in the family. They're not saved. And sooner or later, they show bad fruit. Sooner or later, you see the lack of faith. Sooner or later, it becomes obvious they're not concerned about Jesus Christ being preached. For Jesus, he knew their heart and he wouldn't trust him. 
And these verses point to a profound fact, and that's this. The power unto salvation is not in the miracle. It's not in seeing the manifestation of God. It comes from the gospel truth being shared from God's word that pierces the heart. See, we have to be careful here because I have seen people, and listen, we all do this. We have people who have family, we have friends, we have those that we're really close to that do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I have seen some people go, well, listen, God, if they just saw your hand move, if they just saw that miracle, they would come to know you as Lord and Savior. And Because the power unto salvation is not in the miracle. It's the supernatural response. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. When someone realizes they're a lost sinner who needs a Savior and they hear the gospel truth and they wake up. And they respond in faith, a faith that comes from hearing the word of God that's given by God. That is a supernatural event. And it's good and wise to even mention right now that every time the gospel message is shared, there is a potential for faith. And that can lead to the greatest miracle of all. And that's someone being born again. That's someone's soul being healed. That's some reconciled, that's a reconciled relationship to God. We know that's the greatest miracle. We know God uses miracles, but miracles don't get you saved. It may do this. It may draw you a little closer when you see it and you get curious and you want to know. It may cause you to listen a little bit more keenly about what's being said next. For a moment, seeing a miracle, seeing the power of God, seeing his hand may capture all your attention despite all the hindrances that are going around you. And listen, we live in a world of 90 miles an hour, especially our culture and society, right? May capture all your attention to give it to God. But it's about the word of God, not the miracle. It's about the gospel message, not the miracle. But we can, in our humanness, get fixated on the miracles. And this brings me to my second point. And this is something I have witnessed, and maybe you have too. And this is to be careful. Don't get hung up on a manifestation of God's power. And simply stated, don't pursue miracles, pursue God. Because when you pursue God and you're actively going in that direction, you're going to see the power of God in action in your life. Matthew 6, and I love this verse, but seek ye first the things of the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added unto you. 
When you're focused on God and you're seeking him, the rest falls into place. The rest just happens. God starts doing amazing things. In our culture today, we are dealing with extremes when it comes to seeing the display of God's power of seeing miracles. And sometimes we see people that are so hung up on seeking the miracles that they're constantly chasing them. They constantly want to experience God moving. And if they're not emotionally moved, if they don't feel God's displaying his power, all of a sudden they feel distant from God. And maybe they even deem worship unsuccessful because they haven't made that connection. Someone can get so wrapped up in witnessing the manifestation of God's power that and I'm serious about this, it becomes like a fix. It becomes like satisfying some addiction where you have to move from the next event to the next event to the next event. And it comes so all about seeing the miracle and the display of power that you want it and you seek it and you chase it. And it actually opens up some doors for people to help God along and maybe even create it. And then they try to get him to move and they try to get the sense of emotion to fall on you by the music and the lighting and the special effects. And man, we got to be careful there because there's a pride trap going on there. We got to help God along. He's not strong enough. God, we know you really want to show yourself, but let's create the perfect environment so you can do it. What? Here's a news flash. Listen, God does not require entertainment, He requires worship. He just doesn't want us on Sunday mornings. He wants us every moment. Listen, on fire for the Lord doesn't mean all emotionally fired up in the moment. It means a heart that's on fire for the things of the kingdom of God, for his word and his righteousness moment by moment. And how do you do that? You press in. You read the word. You pray. You fellowship. You go to church. You do the spiritual things that God tells us to do. Even when you don't feel like it. Now, having said that about people chasing miracles, it's so prevalent. It's so prevalent that in Christianese there's a term for it. And it's called being up on the mountain. Because that's where you want to be. You want to be up on the mountain where God is displaying his power. And that's where you feel closest to God. And that's why you feel you're walking in the power of God. When you're up there and you're part of it. And listen, when you come down here, you're like, God's not here. But it's a bunch of malarkey. Because God is there. He's always there. can't get so wrapped up in experiencing God that we forget he never leaves us or forsakes us. We can't get so wrapped up in experiencing him and seeing him move that we forget he's asking us to commune with him. He's asking us to go with him to pray, to pray with him, to read the word of God, to listen to him. 
See, he wants us to do that in the mundaneness of our lives. He wants us to do that every time we get up, every time we go to bed. He wants us to do that when we don't feel like doing that. That's when we should do it most. Listen, I have to be reminded of that myself. Ever get angry at somebody and, and the Holy Spirit's going, Bible, 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 Bible. I don't want to read the Bible. See, God wants us to trust and rely on him without seeing his miracles. Because we're going to get into that in a little bit, but that's called faith. We're walking in faith. As a Christian, it becomes living our life for Jesus Christ daily, not for the next powerful moment. And listen, I'm going to remind you, but you already know this. The powerful, the most powerful moment you can have as a Christian is when you're on your knees in complete silence and you hear from God. Of course, you have to be still long enough to do that. And, (coughs) excuse me, in Psalm 46, God reminds us of something. <clears throat> Excuse me. He reminds us to take a breath and to slow down. And he says this. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He knows how we are. He knows us. He knows we're running 90 miles an hour. He knows we're overwhelmed and we're filling schedules. That we're working with our hands so much that we might be missing what God's saying. That sometimes we're working in our ministry so much that we're like, not right now, Lord. I'm too busy serving you. I can't stop and talk. Sometimes it's be still and know I am God because I'm trying to talk to you. And we get so wound up in doing our thing. So wound up and filling the schedule. And this is crazy because when we go there and we're missing what God's saying, this can cause us to remain steadfast when God's trying to get us to move or trying to get, we're trying to move when God wants us to stand still. Believers, we need to be wise to seek God, to trust him for the rest. Don't chase miracles. Chase God. Seek him. And of course, there's a flip side to this. And I use that word a lot because I like it so much. There's a flip side to this. And that's those who act like God never does anything miraculous. Listen, I'm sure some of you have experienced this. Some, they act like God's been placed in a box. And sometimes it becomes evident with the way they pray. Because... Let me explain something to you. If I'm praying for wisdom for the doctors because I believe God could use them in healing, amen. But if I'm praying for wisdom for the doctors to use them in healing because I don't believe that Jesus Christ could supernaturally, instantaneously heal them, that's a different ballgame. That is a different ballgame. And it matters, because it matters how you are thinking that way, because if you're thinking that God can't come down out of the heavens and go bang, 
and you're healed, then what does that mean about your own struggles? Can't be healed? I mean, it's a hindered walking in faith at maximum. And when it comes to what God does, my third point is this. God will never contradict his word with his actions. Never. But don't add boundaries. Don't add parameters. Don't subtract any either. Don't take away. Don't add to. God is the creator of the universe who spoke things into creation. This is the supernatural God that we serve. We need to remember that. And when you're in either of these groups, if you're in the group that's chasing miracles, be careful because it can bring you in a direction where you're not worshiping God at all and you're in a place of irreverence following your own desires. And the second group, boxing God up, can bring you to a level where maybe you're thankful for salvation, but you're not walking forward in the power of God because in your mind, Jesus is limited. How do you know if that's you? Here's one way. If you're a person who will go out of their way to explain why God won't, rather than praying that he will. That's you. You might not be walking as you should. You might be missing out on what God wants to do. And be careful because limiting Christ can open a door for the enemy. It can nudge you in a direction of running to the world first. Because you're struggling with the Lord intervening as an answer to prayer. If you don't believe that God offers supernatural answers to prayer, then what do you think he can do? Listen, the only thing I can say, if that's you and that's your struggle, revisit the word. Pray. Examine your relationship with Christ. Ask for clarity. Pray for wisdom. Also ask yourself, if you're struggling with that and you look around and somebody actually gets healed or somebody gets a supernatural answer to prayer that you can't explain, who are you giving credit to? There's only two other people, the world or the devil. And if you're giving credit for work of the Holy Spirit to the enemy, that's a blasphemous position to be in and we don't want to be there. Well, think that through. God can do a supernatural work in your life if he chooses to, and it doesn't have to be huge. And this brings me to my fourth and last point. When we use the term miracle, what comes to your mind? When I think of the term miracle, I think of the whole room's shaking. When I think of the term miracle, I think the Red Sea fits the bill, right? The water's being driven back so that the Israelites can pass through and then coming together and wiping Pharaoh's army out. Now that's a miracle. But that's what comes to my mind. But I believe it's important, it's an encouraging in our walks to understand that God's power can be displayed in the smallest of ways. And that doesn't make it any less powerful or miraculous. 
Let's remember what a miracle is. It's something caused by the supernatural power of God, which is attributed to some force beyond scientific understanding of laws of nature. For a miracle, it comes from God. And if it fits those parameters, it doesn't matter how small it is, doesn't matter how large it is. Because it's still a miracle in the lives of believers. But as believers, we also have to be careful because sometimes we're looking for the billboard. Sometimes we're so focused on the shout of God and waiting for it that we miss the whisper. And if we're not paying attention, we're not waiting and we're not hearing those small whispers and maybe we're missing out on something that's very important that God's trying to do in our lives. You know, we always say we don't believe in coincidence. Amen? It's okay, I'm not setting you up. We, we don't. We shouldn't believe in coincidence because we have a God that's close to He's active in our life. He helps us. He does things for our betterment. A coincidence is a remarkable concurrence of events or circumstances that are without apparel, apparent causal connection. We know the causal connection as Christians, and it's God in our lives. God can cause the dominoes to fall in regards to direction, provision, sometimes correction. Sometimes it's divine coincidences, if I can coin it like that, are to reveal things for our betterment, to wake us up, to put us back in the righteous path. Sometimes they are an answer to prayer that's not coming with the big boom, it's coming with a quietly. Or a direction change. We're not getting smashed with a car to change us into another direction or another lane. It's subtle. As a believer, we have to make an effort not to discount the little things and shouldn't always be waiting for the lightning strike because the smallest thing by God's hand is just as powerful. For me, I find it so encouraging when I see God in the little things because to me, it is a miracle that the creator of the universe is actually taking time to hear from me and answering me back. That boggles my mind. That he cares about you personally, individually, in all our struggles, in all our weaknesses. He loves us. Kate mentioned the other day at service, she was talking about, uh, she had a word about the Red Sea, you know, God parted the Red Sea. And, he, and she said this, God parted the Red Sea, but the Israelites still had to walk through it. And that's true. They had to trust God, they had to take those steps. And for them, that event was huge. The direction was obvious, it was straight ahead, but they still had to put one foot in front of the other. The things that happen in our life because of Jesus Christ, the power of God, the Holy Spirit, may not be that huge. But the events still unfold. The divine coincidences happen, and they point you in a direction, and they guide you in a certain way. And the question becomes, do you put one foot in front of the other? Do you listen? Do you go in that direction? 
See, people struggle because they want to know the whole picture. They want to know the ending before they step foot on the path. They want to know where it leads. They want to know how, God, this is going to make me a better person before they take that first step. And that's not how God works because that's not walking in faith. You know, we walk by faith and not by sight. God asks us and he sets us up and he sends all these confirmations and he may be sending all these smallest miracles but still most powerful in our life to send us in a direction. And they don't want to move. They want to wait. And you know when God's doing small things, he's doing this on your nose. It's not going to knock you out, but boy, it's going to drive you right up a wall. Right? You know what comes after this? The two by four. And I like to skip the two by four because I've been there. And I'd rather like pay attention to this now. And start going in that direction. But the whole point is this. When God's doing things in your life and you're seeing his hand, are you responding to that? Are you responding to that? Are you waiting for the shout? Are you waiting for the lightning strike? Are you missing the whisper that could change your life for the better? Remember, it's not about the size of the miracle that affects its power. And it's really not about the miracle at all. As dramatic as the parting of the Red Sea was, as dramatic as them putting one foot in front of the other and going to the other side and the the war coming in and crushing Pharaoh's army, it was like 30 days later later they had the golden calf and they were worshiping an idol. The miracle didn't give them the power to walk in faith. They had to walk in faith. They had to choose to walk in faith. And God requires us to walk in faith every day, every moment, every hour. In a moment, I'm going to have the praise team come up. Listen, I would pray, and it's my prayer, that you guys would take this time to press into God. Maybe you're aware of things that are going on in your life. Maybe you're aware of confirmations and directions and miracles. You're seeing the hand of God. Maybe you're aware that you've been afraid to ask God. Maybe you're aware in here that you need a healing, but you need the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. As we're singing these songs, I'm going to ask you to remember, listen, we may not be walking through the Red Sea, the parted Red Sea, but we certainly can walk this life in the power of Jesus Christ. So as we sing, please, Press in. If you feel like you need to pray for somebody, pray. If you feel like you need to come to the altar with your family or your wife, do so. And let's just worship the King. Amen.